If you're wondering how to take leadership to the next level so that you can do better, so that everyone else in your organization can do better, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm your host, Kristen Spencer, and this is the Your Business Story podcast. Let's do this. She's on a business writing mission to make sure you know what words to say so that what you deserve is what you'll get paid because storytelling changes everything. Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story. This is episode 32 of season one, Being Intentional in the Workplace with Melissa Carson. Today, I am excited and thrilled. Those are synonyms. Maybe I should have edited one out for Melissa Carson to be on the show. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? I'm so excited to be here. It's a great uh, it's a great day um, outside. So my energy's high. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty sunny here today, too. So I will take it because normally it can be cloudy and cold. So today you are coming on the show to talk about being what I I read all your stuff and I dubbed this for you a, a leadership alignment expert. Do, do you feel like that's a good <laughs> does that work? I probably should have asked no, you before the I, show. I think it can work for sure. Yeah, I like, like I hadn't thought about it that way, but I like that because I've been using the word alignment a lot lately. So I think it it, it works. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like is a huge priority for people right now, especially like with all the things that we're seeing about quiet quitting and wanting to have like the values match with employers and employees. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, she has alignment like five times in her description. I think that's what she's doing (laughs) and what she cares about. And that's actually a unique way to position yourself right now because it's so needed. Do you have a lot of people reaching out for help in that area? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it, it is at that time. Um, just I, I think the pandemic uh, gave everybody pause yeah. um, to reevaluate what was most important. And I think whether people were frustrated before, because people always look at their jobs or their life and like, eh. but right. I don't know that people had the time or space to mm. really step back and say, OK, wh- what do I want to be doing and who do I want to be doing it for and with? which I think is the biggest shift that many people are really saying, that's not the kind of organization. They didn't show up for me during the pandemic or they didn't um, show up during um, all the the racial conversations or the, you know, the things that have happened and, and people are making choices. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I do see that like, because we had that time for reflection, and we had the opportunity. And I feel like the, we were demanded to, like, reflect on things, right? We were all facing this scary worldwide threat, and it got us thinking. So I love that. And I, I feel like this is your time, Melissa, you're gonna do well, I also I, I hope the universe has heard that my 2023 is going to be amazing. Yes. Um, I also have to note your name because I lived in Athens, Greece for seven years. Do you know what your name means in Greek? No. Melissa means honeybee. 
You know what? I think I do remember that from when I looked when I we were trying to name our children, um, looking at some of those those name books. Now that sounds familiar. Yeah, but it's not just like a name that means the like that thing. It's the actual word in Greek for honeybee. So I oh, wow. I love that. So I had to tell you because I thought that's special because honeybees are amazing. They're like some of my favorite creatures for sure. Well, I'll have to do a little research into how it represents me. Actually, you could use it as a way to connect to your business because bees are extremely hard workers and everything they do has to be aligned or they'll like block them out of the hive. Oh, I'm going to have to listen, re-listen to this and write down all my notes afterwards of all these great nuggets. Yes, sir. I can't turn it off. It just keeps going all the time. Uh, That's what it's like for a marketing business services writer like myself. So if you don't mind, I would love to get into your business story a little bit. Can you start out by telling us what is the most important problem that you solve for your client and who is your client? What kind of person do you help? I help... Uh, leaders, and I would call it sometimes with a lowercase l versus okay. a, a large l, because sometimes people think a leader is has to be the most senior person in an organization. But I want to work with leaders who are interested in making their workplaces really strong, where people want to work and thrive. And so that work comes in either in individual coaching for that leader of how they show up and how they achieve what they are trying to or working with that organization around those programs and and, um, strategies to create a great workplace. That's amazing. So would you say then that you're like DE and I or no? No. Well, no, because I would say that's very much more target. I'm looking at the holistic DEI could be a, a, a subset of it. But I actually think some of the, if you think about DEIB, the belonging, and the include, mm. like part of that is the underpinning of any culture mm. that I think is required to be successful in today's world. Uh, because if, if you aren't creating that sense of belonging for your employees or that sense where they feel like they're included, I don't think you're going to win in the talent war. Like, I, I just don't think you can do it. So I would not call myself a specialist at all in that area beyond saying, I know it's so fundamental. Um, right. You're like, I want to do it. Uh, I just want it to happen for every workplace, for every person. Yes. So that's your goal is a little less, like you said, it's holistic. I liked yeah. that word for it. Holistic is such a good word. <laughs> Lots of good nuggets of words today. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. So you work with individuals and organizations, you said, and this question is a trick question. Okay. I'll just tell you that I'll preload that pre-frame that for you. Um, but you're going to like it because everyone always likes it. So what is the biggest pain that your client is right now? And feel free to do two different answers if you need to for individuals and organizations. And what do they think they need to solve it, right? Because they think if I just do X, Y, and Z, it'll be solved. But you know, oh, it's probably five steps or 10 steps ahead of that, actually. Yeah, I I will do two answers. One, if I think about organizations right now, many of them are feeling the pain of of, um, recruiting, though Mm -hmm. we're starting to get a little bit of a downturn. But in, in many markets, they're still desperate for talent. And so the recruiting, they would say, is the key problem. Okay. I would say, yes, that's a problem, but it's exacerbated by the fact that you aren't retaining the mm. people you have. So your recruiting problem has just gotten harder. 
for yourself. And so by solving the, how do I re-recruit the people that I have? Ooh, you're going like to facilitate re-recruiting problem. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> the second piece on the individual leader, I think one of the most common things that, that comes out is I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. Mm. I just, my day is spent morning to night, conference calls and emails. Oh yeah. And, and they're like, I just, I can't deal with it. And I think the the root issue is, I think people have forgotten that as a leader, as a manager, as a, a business professional, part of what they're paid to do is actually think. And to oh. think, you actually need time and space. Yes. Where you're not in a meeting, where you're not on a conference call, where you're not reading email, but you're stepping back. And we all often think that has to be in our off hours of work. That needs right. to be early morning. It needs to be late at night. It needs to be Saturday or Sunday. And sometimes those are the best times if that's okay. how your brain thinks to have that. But that is work time. That's not social time. That's work time still. Right. You're dedicating those minutes and hours and whatever to making your workplace better. Right. Yeah. I, so I have a thinking chair. I always tell people, I'm like, I take a picture of myself. I'm like, I'm thinking in this chair for 30 minutes today. And they're like, what? I'm like, how do you think I get the ideas that help you make money? And they just are like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, if I'm I don't like, sit oh, and think about you, longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm just writing for you the whole time and I'm not thinking about you, you're not going to be making the same amount of money. And I think... You know, like, let's let's pull away from the financial aspect of it. We need creativity mm -hmm. in the workplace in order to thrive and to invent new things and to keep moving forward. And if we don't give people time to sit and think, even if they don't have a thinking chair, we're losing out on that creativity. Would you say that creativity is worth that paid time in the thinking chair? I think it has to because the pace of change continues to accelerate. And maybe mm -hmm. that's weird because you're like, okay, it's still 24 hours in every day. But realistically, the amount of change that's going on and the turbulence and uncertainty, like if you're not stopping periodically to say, am I still going to the right destination? Does this mm -hmm. map take me there? You're going to keep moving and going through the motions, but you may have missed the signals that you need to go a different direction. Yeah, actually, my husband texted me out of the blue yesterday and he's all, I had a perfect idea because I do these interviews and then I do solo um, shows in between that are shorter. He's like, when to persevere and when to pivot. I was like, oh, that is a great show idea. I love that. It, it and is. And if you haven't read it, there's a great new book. She's doing all of her podcast tour. Um, Annie Duke has talked, uh, talks about quitting and, and parallels it with um, Angela Duckworth's grit of it's Ooh. not about um it's about persevering so the angel duck with grit when you've realized that it's the right thing but quitting when it's really not serving you like it's not the thing to go really hard and deep and we are we really don't like the idea of quitting something because it feels like a failure but it's yes. a choice on your future time Right. It is. And you shouldn't keep doing, you know, like I I'm from the world of books. That's where I come from. I have a degree in comparative world literature. I'm a certified copy editor, da, 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 et cetera. But I would get into this mode where I was like, if I start reading a book, I have to finish it. And then I realized I'm wasting so many hours of my life on horrible books. What am I doing? And so now I don't do that. If I if I'm not into it, I just give up and I donate it and maybe someone else will like it. 
great strategy. All right. So this is the problem that they will let's let's recap for organizations and individuals. You're going to hear me do this a lot. I'm a recapper. It, it helps me understand you better because you'll hear things that I interpreted wrong. And then you're going to be like, actually, and the actually what comes after that is usually like the golden nugget. So for organizations, they think that their problem is recruiting, but actually their main problem is retention. And instead of going out to find new people, they need to re-recruit the people they already have by investing in them as far as actually caring about them, giving them space to do their job and making a place where creativity can actually take root. Am I okay so far? You articulated it well. I think it's creativity, but it's it's also that feeling that I want to spend eight, nine, ten hours a day in this organization, and I believe they represent what I care about, um, mm. and that comes through so often through the leader. Um, organizations have multiple cultures. We say that you know an organization doesn't have one culture. It each team has a culture based on that leader. Oh. That's so good. Oh my gosh, I got to write that down. Each I, I kinda, I, I've taken that from some of the work that um, Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall did in Nine Lives About Work, but it, it's like when you look at engagement scores across organizations, they, they can be pretty similar. But within organizations, you have really big swings and it generally comes down because it's the same benefits and pay structures and things like that within an organization. So the common denominator is the leader and the opportunities that that leader provides. Right. And that's why the teams are different because the team mimics the style of the leader. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, in most cases, yes. Okay. That's great. So that's why you teach organizations how to better invest in their lowercase L leaders because it's like a trickle down effect. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if each leader really was making, and I think this is part of the challenge, the time to say, I want to really know this person and Mm. how do I get the best from this person? Because I I talk about, you know, people are messy and we're messy because we all come with our own baggage, our histories, our motivations, the ways we react, like it's all different. And as a leader, your job is to channel both yours of how you're showing up for that, but also figure out how do I get the best out of that mess to really harness it to the team succeeds. Right. The beautiful mess that is that individual that has these talents. How do I bring them out mm-hmm. and make them feel like I want to be here 10 hours a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So for the individual leader, when you're doing your one-on-one coaching, the most common thing that comes out is that they're overwhelmed. That does not shock me at all. <laughs> no, <I'm> uh, <laughs> Because they don't have the time to sit and be creative and actually figure out a better way. Do you think that that is one of the things that's contributing to overwhelm is that we are so busy, we can't even sit to think about maybe I should take this task away because it's doing nothing, right? Like the art of subtraction. No, I think that's a big one. And one of the things that I end up talking to people about, if I look at their calendar, I'm like, okay, there's no space. I'm like, do you really have to be in all of those meetings? Like, are they your meetings? Could you shorten them? Could you make them less often? You know, could you opt out? Like, all right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, 
You can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters. Sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. And to some extent, it's a cultural thing and some it's like, okay, everybody has to show up. But right. I'm like, that's what's taking your time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not adding value in that session, that hour session, that's an hour of lost time. And, and an hour is a lot of, that's yeah. a lot of time. 60 minutes. You can accomplish a lot of thinking in 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. That is awesome. Okay. Are you ready for the next question? I feel like you definitely answered that in such a great way, by the way. Thank you so much. Okay. So what is your big solution? And I know you touched on this, but let's like go right for it. What is the big solution to their problem? Sorry. What is your solution to their big problem? And how do you get it for them? Like, what's your process? Because anyone who's listening right now, who's thinking, should I work with Melissa? They want the answer to that question. My process is kind of simple. I would, I, I've named it, I can. So pretty simple. So yeah. it starts with intentions. Like whether you're an individual leader, whether you're an organization, what's the intention of how you want to feel, how you want to show up, how you want the people to feel, the experience that you want to have, then create the plan, um, act on your plan. And then the most important part, is navigate because we all know it doesn't go the way we planned. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, somebody leaves your team, you get a new boss, you know, all of a sudden COVID hits, you've got a war in Ukraine, you you know, whatever things are going to shift. So I think it's the most important parts of those two things are the intentions up front of like what, and that requires the pause and reflection to say, where am I going? Where do I think I need to go? What do I want to feel? What do I want to create? Um, and those are sometimes hard because we're so driven to the task list. That's true. We want to get the little check. I know. At least that's how I am. I have post-it yeah. notes all over my office and I want to be able to check them off and put them in the done pile. Yes. And that doesn't take my mental capacity into consideration all the time. Yeah. So and then and then the navigation of just we we have to give our time to reflect to say, OK, was that plan good? Was it achieving what I expected it to? Maybe none of the circumstances changed, but the plan wasn't as robust as I thought it was going to be. Right. It didn't work the way that I anticipated it would. Mm -hmm. So would you say then that being flexible is key? Like under navigate, that's what I wrote, that you have to be able to shift and be flexible if you want the, the output that you seek. Yeah. Flexibility or agility of just to adjust to the circumstances. Okay. And I think we have to, I mean, I think it goes back to a curiosity. We can't be focused on being right. Because if (laughs) we're stuck on, well, I was right. I thought this was the right answer. Like we have to be willing to say, okay, I was wrong. Or we have, I have new information that is going to dictate that a change. So we can't be wedded to what we thought. It's true. I love that. And I always say, I'm happy to be wrong. And people are like, are you really? I'm like, yes, because it means I'm learning something new and I can adjust. So I am happy to be wrong. Although sometimes when I'm arguing with my husband, he doesn't believe me. So, uh, well, it's funny. I, yeah, I don't do well with my family, but I do say quite often in the workplace, uh, uh, you know, I always have a point of view. Mm. It's not always right. 
And I'm yeah. happy to be wrong if there's a you know, different way of thinking about it. So I'm much better on the professional side than on the personal side. Yeah, I think that uh, we can all learn to <laughs> implement things better in our professional lives. So you're not alone there. All right. That's a great answer. And we only have one more question left, which if you are thrown, it's okay. I'm going to help you because for some reason, people have a hard time answering this question because it deals with them speaking truth about themselves, but they think maybe that it's bragging about themselves and that's not the same. So why should organizations and individuals trust you to solve this problem for them? How are you going to sell it to them? Why do you believe you can do this? Great question. Um, I think a couple things. One, I spent over 25 years really working in the HR space. And so I, and as an HR professional, I worked with so many different leaders mm. and different styles of leaders and a, an organization that changed all the time. So I felt like, I feel like I've got a baseline of ad adaptability, adaptability, adaptability. Um, yeah. I'm also a continuous learner. And so I love paying attention to what's going on in the industry around people. So I read a lot. I, I uh, watch videos a lot. And from those experiences, plus all of the industry thought leadership that's out there, I, I feel really confident that I can pull all of those threads together for a client, whether it's an individual, whether it's an organization to say, okay, based on your business problem or your individual challenge, here's some things to think about. And I think when I talk about leadership, one of the things I focus on is us as imperfect leaders, because none of us are perfect. There's not a one, there's not a cookie cutter approach. And so it's that, how do I show up as myself? And I, I've done a lot of work. I was not a perfect leader when I had a team. Um, and so I can also uh, reflect back to like, I know it's hard. <laughs> I know what my calendar looked like yeah. um, when I was in my corporate world. And I, it still does periodically if I don't pay attention to it on the outside. And so I think the real life experience um, the thought leadership uh, focus um, and the ability to, to, to really listen and, and draw things together for, for organizations and individuals. So you accidentally just tied yourself in with the um, theme of this season, season one, which I had no plan on having a theme, but literally every person that's come on has talked about being curious and being a lifelong learner. And I'm starting to realize that if we want to be high level individuals at work, that these are the skills we need to have. And I accidentally already have that. I can't help myself. <laughs> but could you talk a little bit more? You said so many amazing things in that last part. I'm like, which which threads do I want to pull out for the show? Because we only have 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I would love to talk about owning your imperfections, because that's something that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. So it's something that people struggle with. But I also want to talk about there. So you work with high performing leaders, and I haven't really heard that phraseology used before. And I would love to hear more about what that means. Um, because I'm so curious about this right now. And I just can't help myself. Yeah, I mean, I think um, high performing can be, you know, what you're ranked really well in an organization. When I think about that definition, that may be part of it, but it really is somebody who is constantly focused on how do I be better mm. um, for themselves. 
Right. Um, so they are driven to personal high performance, which may lead to the you know, team high performance in an organization, but it's about them being motivated to be the best version of themselves. I love that. That's why my daughter runs, my, I have two daughters, but my oldest daughter runs cross country. And that's what I always tell her. I'm like, I love that about this sport, that even if you're in last place, if you get a new PR, your whole team's going to celebrate it with you, which is why I did cross country uh, my junior year. And I, I was the slowest person on the team, definitely. But when I got that personal record, everyone was like, oh, yeah, we're so excited. So I can... I can understand that. And I feel like that is a common theme for a lot of people I meet who are high performing as far as they understand how to build relationships mm -hmm. at work and outside of work. Great point. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's touch on the imperfection piece now. So how do you, how do you deal with the fact that as a human, you're a mess, right? And that you're flawed and how do you embrace that to make yourself better? Well, I think it starts with being self-aware. Like, what is what is the thing that for you? You said it. You know, the um, perfectionist. I I'm more the controller personality. Okay. Of like, I like to be in control. I like to drive things. Um, but recognizing that those imperfections or those those challenges or gremlins, as I call them, often they often are flip side of our strengths. Oh yeah. So. Your um, being a perfectionist is good because you're looking at great quality when it slows you down because you can't make a decision or move to the next thing. Right. That's when it becomes an imperfection that holds you back. For me, a controller, like if I like to control things and drive things, that's awesome until I'm really stressed and it drives my team crazy or, you know, I'm demotivating them by that, that pulse. So I right. think- Knowing what your factor is, knowing how often it, when it shows up, usually under periods of stress um, is where we see it most often. And then figuring out, okay, how do I, you know, uh, play with the lever a bit to say, what's the right amount that gets the best of this, um, but doesn't overpower it? Yes, I just had someone write in my fellow perfectionist and the co-author. She's like lifelong learning. Yes. And I think that maybe that is motivated by perfectionism because we're like, I still don't know everything. And that's going to drive us to keep learning. Or like for you, you're like, if I want to control things better, I need to know more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to know what I don't know and, and where um, I do need experts to to jump in and let and let them educate me. Right. Yes. Our conversation is so stimulating that I'm having a hard time actually writing your one big sentence because I want to listen to every single thing you say. And that's happened to me a couple times on this show. So let's just kind of, I feel like we should wing it. What do you think? Go for it. Okay. This is what I've got so far and I'm just going to finish it live because that's what this show is all about. I just want to read. So I can is the intention the creating a plan, you act on your plan, and you navigate. Okay, that's a really good way to remember that. That's very smart of you. I was very happy when the acronym worked out. Yes. Okay, so, Melissa, I help organizations and individuals create better leadership based on making space for thinking and creativity through holistic approaches to create plans, act on those plans, and navigate through changes to implement the intentions that they want. 
I think it captures it. It's long, but it captures it. Yeah, I know. It's like one, like my editor heart always dies a little bit uh, <laughs> because I'm like split it up, but we have to, we have to smash it into one big sentence. Right. And that's just like, I tell people it's a point of reference for you. So, you know, you don't have to say it all in one sentence when you're talking to someone, you don't feel like this and then this and then this and then this, but there are the pieces there, right? Where you're addressing what their pain is. They don't have the time. They don't have the flexibility for creativity. And you're telling them what is the way that we're going to solve this by creating a plan based on your intentions. And then usually we like to talk about without which I didn't get in yours, but in this case, without having to keep going through the awful recruiting cycle of rinse, repeat, and be short-staffed. All right. So what is the best way for our listeners and viewers to find you, to work with you so that you can help them work through your ICANN system with them so that they don't have these talent issues and that they can match their intentions to their goals? Yeah, I, I think that um, I'm on LinkedIn every day. Um, so I post original content. So that's the best place. You can also go out to my website, crimdellconsulting.com. And I cross post on Facebook and Instagram. So if you prefer that than LinkedIn, you, you can still see the same content there. But LinkedIn is the most uh, um, prevalent place that, to find me. And I have a couple of newsletters as well. Oh, that's fun. Okay, so her Melissa's LinkedIn uh, is in the post. Uh, it will be... It's in the comments, I should say. It will be in the show notes as well so that you can get a hold of her. And I'm also going to include her website so that you know exactly how to find Melissa when you realize I'm tired of this talent loss cycle that I'm stuck in or I'm tired of feeling overwhelmed as an individual and I'm going to go to Melissa and work with her. So First of all, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute delight for me. I hope you had fun. And I like to ask this question as a closing for all of the listeners. If you could instill one like little nugget of wisdom to people who are struggling in the workplace right now, whether it's as a leader, a business owner, or an individual working for a business, what would you say? And if you want to double down on a point you made earlier, please feel free to do so. Right. Well, thank you for having me because I have had a great time. I would say for anybody, it's slow down and think about what do you really want? Mm. What's really going on? What's really bothering you? Do a little bit of that self-work first before you react to, you know, a recruiter calling you or saying, hey, I need to you know, deal with this problem at work. Just pause for a minute and really think about what do I what do I want? What's my intention? Oh, that's so good. I love that so much. Well, thank you again. And remember to all of the listeners and watchers, your business story matters. So let's make sure you're able to tell it together. Thanks again, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast, cool face emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her impact accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, <laughs> I don't sound like that. Let's do copyright.